Get ready and start your engines for our ninth annual aviation month on Savvy Broadcasting. Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Hi, Petta Hunsfeld. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting and Life Unscripted for our ninth annual aviation month. I'm so grateful to have you here today. I am really looking forward to this and I'm very, very uh, happy to be here. Oh my gosh, I am so happy to have you. You are have a wonderful channel on YouTube, Mentor Pilot, helping young people and anyone with a aviation interest. Uh, many people out there and they're wondering, how do I get into the industry? Or maybe they're just uh, enthusiasts. But you have a wonderful informative channel, also helping young students figure out ways they can get income so they can get out there. It's number one thing we hear from people is finding the income to get out there and to start flying. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, that was the reason I started the channel in the first place to to basically just, well, first of all, just give my view on what I thought about the, the job that I had about uh, being a commercial pilot, but also to give a little bit of support to people who might find it hard and find it complicated to find their ways into the industry. And then from there, it's kind of snowballed into me explaining and helping people who are afraid of flying and everything that has to do with aviation, really. Yeah, absolutely. And you yourself is, are a commercial pilot. You don't just uh, do this. Pilot. Share a little bit of your background with our audience who doesn't who don't know you. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm, I've just turned 39, believe it or not. <laughs> I, um, I worked in the airline business as a commercial pilot since I was 20 years old. So I started back in um, 2002 um, flying the 737. That was my first job, um, which was amazing. Um, straight out of flight school when I went to a government sponsored flight school in Sweden uh, back in the day. And then I got my first job and I'm actually still flying for the same airline as I started with uh, almost well, 18 years ago. I went through being a first officer for a few years. I became a uh, instructor in the simulator as so an instructing first officer um, after about three and a half years. And then I upgraded to become a captain, a line training captain, which helps new pilots into to flying the aircraft and then a type rating instructor and a type rating examiner, which is mm. the ones that are actually doing the, the whole training and examining of pilots recurrently in the airline. Wow, that's interesting. So when you say that you're a line training captain, uh, does that mean you help them get into the groove of learning to fly? Are you sitting like the right seat watching them as they take their first couple of flights in the aircraft or...? Yeah, so the way that it works is that you get your licenses first. And then once you have your licenses and everything on paper that you're allowed to fly, then you go through a type rating program. Well, hopefully you get a job and then you get a type rating on the specific type that you will be flying. So that might be a jumbo jet, like a 747 or a Boeing 737 or an Airbus 320 or something like that. But in any case, before you're allowed to, to officially fly with, you know, without any strings attached to it, you need to go through a rigorous training program. Um, that includes the type rating, but then you have to fly with people like me and go, do certain things. You have to do a certain amount of, of landings and non-precision approaches and things like that until I judge that, yes, this person is now ready to fly with, with normal captains. And then you go through a line check, which is a check flight. And if you pass that, then, then you're free to fly with, with anyone within the airline. 
Good to go. Good to go. Now you mentioned you uh, started with a government sponsored um, training. So how does that work? If I mean, you're in Sweden. Um, that's where you got your training. Now, how did that work over there when you want to go? Do you have do you have to apply for it like a sponsorship and get accepted? How did that work out? Well, um, Sweden is a fantastic country for many, many reasons. Uh, one of them um, is that they, they want to give equal opportunity to pretty much any occupational group. So um, if you can get a government-sponsored program to com- become a teacher, for example, or a doctor, well, then there should be one for becoming a, a commercial pilot as well. Now, obviously, the, the need for commercial pilots is regulated depending on what the business needs, really. So there was never a really big need which means that in Sweden at the time that when I did this training, there were only 30 spots available in the country. So you had to, I had to apply and then they started, you know, out of the hundreds of applications, they chose the ones that had the best grades. And then those people came to do uh, final psychometric testing. And then out of those, there were then 30 people selected, which I was uh, lucky to be among. Yeah, that's awesome. That's totally fabulous. I know you've helped a lot of pilots on your channel with finding ways and introducing them to the world of aviation. What has been some of your top tip for someone who's just like, maybe they're not quite even 17, but they're getting ready and they're thinking about flying, but they're not even sure how to get the money together. What's some of your tip for a new new gal or guy out there? Well, obviously, um, the, the financing bit is going to be a, a, a major hurdle. So the earlier you start thinking about that, the, the better it is. Um, but the main thing that you need to do when you're young um, is you need to realize that you have a lot of time. Like you, that's A lot of people are frustrated when they're 14 and they really want to start this, yeah. this journey. But, but what you need to realize is that you should use those years and really use the often free education that you get through the school system to, to improve on your skills and qualities because you're going to need that when you do your, um, your flight training later on. It's very, very condensed. Mm-hmm. And during this time that you're now sitting and improve, improving on your grades, no matter how boring that might feel or sound, you can then start to kind of, of picture the way that you want to go because there's several ways. You can go through a modular program where you pick and choose the training that you're going to do and you stretch it out over a longer time period. Um, that tends to be more, that tends to be cheaper, less expensive, um, but it also puts much more uh, pressure on you to you know to find the correct schools and to to do the studying and stuff you're not going to be spoon fed mm-hmm. uh, in the same way as if you do an integrated program which is more expensive is much shorter and uh, is more of kind of like you go to school and you get everything done in maybe 18 to 24 months mm-hmm. so you can start looking into what what would suit you best and if money is the the problem then uh, maybe look at the modular course and start saving up you know, start saving up as much as you can. You won't yeah. be able to save up the whole thing, most likely. But the less money you need to borrow from your parents, from your uncle, from maybe even from the bank, the better it is. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, and then, and then the possibility, if you're doing this modular program, it, because it's slower, you can also work at the same time, which means that you can get a job, any job, and use the money to, to pay for your flight training. Yeah. Um, so, so there is possibility. There's always possibilities. That's that's the thing. It might look like a mountain that is unsurmountable, like something that you cannot get over. But it's not. You take it in bits, and you will get over there. Yeah, um, I, I love that, Peta. Because I remember for myself, I had, I was a 
full grown adult in my mid thirties. And so what I did is I did it after work on the weekends. I started to do extra jobs so I could afford it. And then what I also did way before I even thought to go into a flight school was I did a lot of online training, really learning ground study, which was, I think, a good way when I got in there. It wasn't a big shock looking at all the instruments, what's going on here. It kind of made me feel a little bit more comfortable with the process once I actually got to the flight school. Yeah, absolutely. All of it, everything that you can do to prepare yourself, including uh, writing up, uh, sorry, reading up on, on whatever literature that you can find, Obviously, watching the right YouTube channels. Um, mentor pilot. Mentor pilots. Um, no, but but anything that you can do to prepare yourself, and that also includes if you if you fly flight simulators, for example. But you do that in a professional way, and you try to do it as professionally as possible. That can help. Um, so anything is and anything is good when it comes to the stage. And just realize that time is something that's good to have. So don't worry if you're too young to start your training. It's actually going to work in your favor. Yeah, totally. I say, and it's never too late. I always tell some people who are, might be older and they're thinking of retiring. I'm like, well, get started. I mean, just because you're on the older side doesn't mean you can't do it for enjoyment or eventually maybe even be a flight instructor. Um, but you know, Peta, I'd like to go to your perspective on commercial flying right now, because as we've been hit with the coronavirus around the globe, it's really affected commercial aviation. And, you know, I think a lot of people thinking, is it a good time for me to even go into the industry? What's your take? Okay, so um, this is a crisis that's bigger than anything that I have ever seen, that's bigger than anything that anyone who's in the industry now can ever remember. Um, I joined the industry back in 2002, which was just after the 9-11 terrorist attacks, which was another major shock to the aviation business. Um, It was impossible to get jobs then. I managed to get one. I was very, very lucky to do do so. Um, But eventually that shock kind of dissipated. Um, People wanted to travel again. When people want to travel, there needs to be aircraft that can fly them. Um, there needs to be airlines that have those aircraft, those airlines need to hire pilots. And eventually, providing that the that humanity continues to be curious and continues to want to see new places and go to new places, aviation comes back. No matter how black it looks, it has a tendency to come back. Now, the question is, how long is it going to take? Uh, and that, that obviously is the, is the golden question for anyone who wants to get into the business. Um, right now, there is a lot of pilots who have lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're furloughed or they have, they have completely lost them. Um, they have experience, which means that when the industry starts picking back up again, providing that those people are still in the industry, they will probably be picked first before anyone was coming out of flight school. So it, it's going to take a while now. Um, Providing that, that, that we get out of this coronavirus pandemic, that we find a vaccine or something happens that, that gives confidence back to travelers, then it's going to be a delay before we start seeing new pilots being entered into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I, I think no one is going to argue with me on that. Yeah. There is a couple of things that works in the favor of people wanting to join, and that's the fact that the baby boomer generation, the ones that are born in the late 50s and beginning of 60s, they are going into retirement now. Um, they were already planned to do so. Mm-hmm. A lot of pilots, we see that in the United States, for example, are taking pre-retirement deals. So they're leaving the workforce already, mm-hmm. uh, and those are not going to come back in. That's going to help the pickup a little bit. Um, but 
exactly how, when, when this is going to be back to normal, it's yeah. very, very hard to say. And it would be, it would be presumptuous of me to sit here and, and, and guess, because right now we're bang in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And the, we didn't the, expect this to happen as it is. It kind of just fell on, on the globe. So we just yeah. have to see where it goes. Yeah. It's, Exactly. The um, however, I'm not like you. Whenever pilots, well, human beings tend mm-hmm. to have a tendency to see where the, the the like the direction of things are going, and then just project that into the future. So if things are going bad, there is always a tendency for us to say that this is just going to, that we're never going to be the same again. Aviation is now dead. Mm-hmm. It's never going to come back. There's never going to be any business travelers. This and this and that. I have a tendency to see things slightly more cyclical so yes it's looking really bad right now but if you look at any kind of disturbance going back the last 30 40 years Mm. the the overall curve has still been climbing so i think that we will probably do so as well if you if you extend this horizon out maybe five years from now we will probably be back on the curve again or close to it anyway yeah. Um, now, when it comes to new pilots, I, I don't know if you're aware, but I've started up a new initiative together with um, a friend and colleague of mine um, called the Aviation, uh, the, um, the Airline Pilot Club, mm-hmm. APC, um, where we are basically going to try to help people on the way into the industry. Um, that sounds like it's a crazy initiative now, but bear with us. We have been working on this for over a year and we did not see this um, pandemic coming Mm -hmm. but the first thing that we are doing um, is we're giving tools to people to check their own uh, aptitude and ability Mm. because it's something that I've seen through the work I've done in my YouTube channel is that a lot of uh, people want to become pilots but have no idea whether or not they are actually suitable to become pilots Mm. Very true. and the problem has always been that since you have commercial flight schools on one side they will always have an incentive to tell you that sure Come here, give us your money, and we will make you into a commercial pilot. Now, the the tougher the business is, the the harder it is to get jobs, the more important it is that you know that you have the skills and aptitude um, and personality traits needed before you start your training so that you don't end up spending $100,000 or euros on training and then being told, unfortunately, you you don't have what it takes. Mm. So this is something that we've, we're, uh, we're, we're launching now on the 2nd of November um, for people to be able to come into the Airline Pilot Club and they'll be able to do an, what we call an indicative assessment that will tell them, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this is your personality type. And also um, we will then use that to give feedback. You should maybe think about improving your numerical skills or your English language skills or here are some ways that you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side, we're done. Come choose the number of steps we're trying to guide them towards good high quality flight schools and, and so on trying to, to make sure that the quality at each and every step is as high as possible that's awesome that's totally now when that initiative comes forth uh, how do they get in, involved with it uh, is it up and going now or you got to wait to tell us now we're uh, we've been working on on the details of this making it right uh, for the last year or so but we are launching it officially on the 2nd of November so only in a few weeks from now and the um, the website is up, so you can go to theairlinepilotclub.com and see where all of these steps are and exactly what we do. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes. And also, how do they get involved with you and watch all your videos? How do they do that? 
So you can find me on YouTube. Just look for Mentor Pilot, and I'm sure that's what's going to pop up. Um, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The way that the world is now, I'm I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to find. And Peta, I'd like to leave it with you leaving a wonderful comedic, if you can think of one, um, humorous story in the cockpit. <laughs> How about when you were a student? I've done some crazy stuff as a student myself. Oh, I mean, student, like, when we, like, what we have to understand is that this government-sponsored program that, that we did, we were 17-year-olds when mm-hmm. we started this, which meant that I, I actually, I was flying an aircraft before I was allowed to fly a car, so drive a car. So this this meant that we were out, like, you know, they let a couple of 17-year-olds out with their own Cessnas out in this training area, and we were flying around uh, with each other, speaking on the radio. You can, you can just imagine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there were, some, there, there were some, I wouldn't say crazy stuff going on, but there was some really, I mean, it's the most fun period in my entire life. I, yeah. I wish everyone has the chance to, to, to do that, even if, even if it's not, like you said, even if it's not at a young age, but even at, as you grow older, if you, if you get into actually doing yeah. flight training um go for it because it is just so much fun now you put me on the spot now i can't come up with this but a single story yeah. that that's worth telling right now that, that, that's cool i mean i recall for me i just want i had an extreme fear of flying so i decided i'm going to go out there and kick it in 2006 and one thing that was funny for me uh, i didn't feel funny at the time was i would have my checklist and i'm very new a couple hours out so i'd have my checklist in my hand and i'm going through the outside of the airplane and then i get to the inside of the airplane and i somehow at one point had left the checklist on top of the airplane nose and I got back in my teacher gets in this is a piper so I have to climb in first and he climbs in next to me and he said okay let's do the checklist I'm like okay where is it he's like I don't know where is it I'm like I don't know but here's the thing just before we got in the airplane my teacher said okay before you go in the airplane you did the outside check now just stand back and always look at the airplane and see in fact look to see if you find something wrong because you want to actually notice if there's something wrong so look as if there's something wrong is there anything out of out of the ordinary on this airplane i said no everything looks great he's like okay get inside the airplane so i climb in he climbs in after me and then he's like okay let's go with the checklist and i'm like i don't know where it is he's like look outside the window it's boom, right outside the window in front of the, on the nose. So it's like, yep. So it, it was a good lesson for me. Uh, funny, maybe not so funny now. But yeah. Um, yeah, you get what I mean, right? It could be a big problem for another type of issue if I had not been checking or looking and seeing. Yeah, I mean, that had that happened to a couple of friends of mine who forgot to put the lid back on when, after they fueled. You know, so the fuel <laughs> lid was off. And the problem, of, obviously, is that if you start flying, you'll get a, a, a lower pressure on the overside of the wing, which is where the, uh, the fuel fueling uh, kind of opening is. And if you have an underpressure, that will suck the fuel out, which is exactly what happened. So yeah. it is. And it's interesting that your instructor did that because it is, it's so typical of old school instructions. Even I do the same. You see a mistake being made. But instead of just correcting it immediately, you, he, he let you get in. He let you put your seatbelt on. He let you get, you know, get ready. And then he started showing you because the likelihood is like you're doing right now, you're, you will never forget that. Nope. Uh, it is a lesson. It will take you another 10 minutes to, you know, to, to get out of the aircraft and get checks and stuff. But you will never, ever make the same mistake. And the likelihood is that you're going to be looking at the aircraft with completely new eyes after that. 
Yeah. So it is, it's, a, it's a wonderful trick and it goes to show why sometimes it's better to wait with correcting something to see because it becomes a much better like learning experience from it. Yeah, I, I learned that too because sometimes you think, it's funny when you're a new student especially, you don't know what to look for. So you're like, everything looks fine to me. But yeah. him doing that made me see that I have to look closer and deeper. So it was a great lesson. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's interesting because the, the, especially the walk-arounds and when you do walk-arounds on big commercial aircraft as well, it is, it is exactly like that. There is a tendency to just, you can't see the forest for all the trees. Yeah. You know, there's so much things going on. And then when you home in on something, or if you have experience of having seen something like a rivet that's loose or something, you will always be looking for exactly that or something similar to that. And once you see it, it will pop out. It's like when you go picking mushrooms that you won't see a single mushroom until you see one and then you see all of them. Yeah. Um, so it, it is same, it's the same kind of principle. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing, Peta. I thank you so much for coming to share on our ninth annual Aviation Month on Savvy Broadcasting. Everyone go to Mentor Pilot all over the place on Twitter, Facebook, and of course, go to YouTube, watch his videos. If you're desiring to be a pilot, uh, Peta is your guy to help you get inspired. And I just have to thank you again. Thank you. Well, thank you for letting me be on here. It's been, uh, it's been great talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Peta. Thank you. If you like this episode, please share and leave your comments. To find out more about paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at lifeunscriptedradio.com.